has been significant talk about the Frank Gore conundrum. So today we're going to devote the entire show to discussing Frank Gore. Oh no, you thought I was going into Frank Gore. I told, I keep my promises. We're not talking about Frank Gore today. We might mention Frank Gore. We might, we might, we might mention Frank Gore. But no, I, I will, I will, we are moving on because I'm sure most of you are thinking, is he going to talk about Arian Foster? Arian Foster, give us some information. Guide us. Fantasy underscore mansion on Twitter. What do we do about Arian Foster? What's the deal with the Texans backfield? This was a pretty big event. We are here. And what I mean, we are here, I mean, we are in the fantasy football news season. We weren't in that before. Oh, the the random hamstring strains that happen in OTAs, the glowing reports about a player's performance in OTAs. We've discussed this many times. Those are all irrelevant. You might as well not read any of those news blurbs. None of them matter. Nothing matters. None of the the information that is shared with you about football players in the months of February, March, April, May, June, July, none of it matters. Now it does. This news matters. Finally, we have reached the point where we can actually start caring about the fantasy news that is released about NFL players. It's a good time. It's a good time. So we no longer have to, because I've still been reading the news just in case, just in case I see something that piques my interest. I've been reading the news, reading the news. There was one item that piqued my interest in the, in the entire off season was when Emmanuel Sanders came out and admitted, and because players rarely do this, they rarely discuss their role in the offense and almost no player it would be nice in today's fantasy football culture that we live in it would be nice if players came out and actually projected their own number of targets but they never talk about what their role is going to be in the offense the volume that they believe the offense will generate and therefore how many targets they expect to get this year. But Emmanuel Sanders came out and discussed all of that with us. And to me, that was the one news item that affected my rankings. I lowered Emmanuel Sanders' rankings in on the Roto Underworld Redraft League player rankings. So if you go to playerprofiler.com and click on player rankings, you can see my redraft rankings there. And I did. I, I will tell you that that is the only news item that I read in the, during the entire offseason, during that entire six-month stretch, that actually impacted the rankings. Because Emmanuel Sanders came out and said flatly, here's what I believe my role will be. I will be doing more inside running. I will be, play more out of the slot. I will receive, I believe, I project for myself based on what I'm hearing in meetings about our philosophy this year, about our offensive philosophy, and about my specific role. I believe the number of targets that I will receive this year is going to decrease. And here's how I plan to respond to that. Again, players never do that. You never read that. That was, to me, that was like a shining beacon in a in a, just a sea of irrelevant news reports. 
So that was the one item I remember actually believing had credence. Now, though, now uh, we will be getting, it's nice because now we'll be getting a regular stream. We don't have to be so discerning anymore. Most of the news items we will be getting are relevant because now the, the season is only a month away. So any injuries that occur now are relevant. Depth chart movement is relevant. And right out, right out of the gate, the NFL just drops a hugely relevant bomb on us. That Arian Foster has re-injured his groin. He strained it for the third time which is a huge concern for Arian Foster. I love Arian Foster as a player and as a person. He is one of he is one of these mindful individuals that actually cares about the mind, the body and the spirit and he cares about other people around him. It, it's very clear that he has he's a very different player off the field than say Adrian Peterson. So all else being equal, if I were going to hang out with someone or I were going to wish someone well, I, I would direct that that affinity toward Arian Foster, not toward Adrian Peterson. Arian Foster is a good guy. He's one of the good guys in the NFL. And so to see him re-injure uh, connective tissue, the same connective tissue for the third time at close to 30 years old, he's about to turn 29. It's sad. It just is really sad. And you hope he can bounce back and you can hope he can still have a productive career we don't know. We don't know. But what I can tell you is, from a fantasy football standpoint, this is a fantasy football show, so we're not going to go too far off the field. We're going to stick to fantasy football here. What Arian Foster did with, by injuring his groin, he essentially saved all of you from yourselves. All of you that had planned on drafting Arian Foster in the first or second round of fantasy drafts, he saved you from yourselves. Because he was going to disappoint this year anyway. Because running backs on bottom five offenses are rarely fantasy relevant. It's crazy. It is crazy. The, the stats will blow your mind when you start reading the stats on the, the bottom five offenses and the, the number of players that those bottom five offenses the number of fantasy-relevant players that those bottom five offenses produce is staggering in how few. Staggeringly few. And I think we can all agree with Brian Hoyer and or Ryan Mallett at quarterback, the Texans project to be one of the bottom five offenses. Down there with the Browns and down there with the Raiders and down there with the Jaguars. No one would dispute that. Yet... Of the teams in the bottom 10, let's expand the scope, of the teams last year in the bottom 10 of passing output, I'm talking mostly about passing efficiency, passing output, passing yards and touchdowns. Only Jamal Charles and Jeremy Hill last year produced high-end fantasy output. It's counterintuitive because you would think, well, it doesn't matter, they're if you're a running back, if, as long as a team is running for a reasonable amount of yards and touchdowns, then that running back will be a fantasy asset. And it's just not true. It's just not true. And I'm talking about PPR leagues, of course, because that's the only type of league we talk about on this show. But 
if you are in one of these bottom five, bottom ten, super anemic pass offenses, it's a huge handicap for the running back. Again, only Jamal Charles and Jeremy Hill were running backs on bottom ten offenses last year that produced at a high level in fantasy. Only two! The Texans' passing attack this year was going to throttle Arian Foster's output regardless of his health. Look at what happened to Jamal Charles last year when the Chiefs' passing attack regressed from 2013 to 2014. Jamal Charles' fantasy output went from 25.4 fantasy points per game in 2013 to 16.9 fantasy points per game in 2014. Arian Foster saved you all from yourselves this year. This guy is super considerate with the people around him. Super thoughtful. And he even went out of his way to do a favor for the entire fantasy football community by getting injured. We've talked about this with Duke Johnson just a couple shows ago. Again, on a team like Cleveland or Jacksonville or Houston, even a back with incredible efficiency in all phases cannot totally overcome a lack of red zone touches and targets in an anemic offense. They just can't. Opportunity is the driving force behind fantasy production. No one can... No player, no matter how talented, can fight against the immovable object that is opportunity. You can, that's the mountain they will never climb. That, that will be the, the Everest before it was scaled is the opportunity mountain in fantasy football. No running back will ever beat opportunity. But if you had to pick one running back on the Texans post-Arian Foster injury, who fits the description of a Jamal Charles, a player who can continue to be fantasy relevant even on an anemic passing offense? If you had to pick one player on the Texans who fits that description, who has a a Duke Johnson-like skill set, potentially efficient in all phases of the game, that player on if you had to pick a player on the Texans roster who who would fit that profile, it would be Jonathan Grimes. Jonathan Grimes is the only running back now on the Texans roster, or in the future, regardless of who they pick up, who could help you win your fantasy league? The guy on the top of the depth chart is Alfred Blue. I admit that. He, Jonathan Grimes is not on the top of the depth chart. That's not what I'm saying. But that, that player is Alfred Blue. But when you, go to Alfred's Blue, when you go to Alfred Blue's profile, you will see one of the worst running backs in the NFL. Because when you look at his workout metrics... When he was drafted in the sixth round in 2014, it was a surprise. Most people didn't see that coming. Even the, the draft analysts that were covering the draft, those that are experts that understand even the, the sleeper of the sleepers in the NFL draft, the guys that they put on the air during the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds, even those guys were scrambling to look up who this Alfred Blue person was when the Texans drafted him in the sixth round with a reach because he would have been an undrafted free agent. They could have just signed him. It was a wasted draft pick. The reason is is because he had an 8% college dominator rating. First percentile. He was simply behind Jeremy Hill on the depth chart, but he wasn't even good enough to get any carries whatsoever. I know he came back from an ACL tear a year and a half earlier. 
But he was healthy in his final year at LSU, and they said, never mind. We don't even need you to, to spell Jeremy Hill when he's tired. You, you can go ahead and maybe even put your helmet on the bench because you're not going to be called upon Alfred Blue. This is in college. Now he's in the professional ranks, and you wonder, well, why wasn't Alfred Blue used more at LSU? Well, that's because Alfred Blue has a 4-6-3-40, 31st percentile. His burst score on playerprofiler.com, broad jump and the vertical jump mixed together into one equally weighted metric, 114.9, 25th percentile. And then his agility score, it gets worse. So his agility score, which is the three-cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle added together, 11.65, 11th percentile. Whoa, okay, that's awful. How about his bench press? Just see if we can get one workout metric where he excelled. He's a big guy, right? 223 pounds, so maybe he's strong. Nope, 13 bench reps, second percentile. When you add it all up, he had a 91.2 spark X on playerprofiler.com. That's second percentile. One of the worst athletes to come through the NFL in, in a while. He's to the guys that are below him in terms of athleticism in the NFL are fullbacks. They're H backs. They're not really running backs. So he's the worst athlete we we have. Everyone else on the depth chart from Chris Polk to Jonathan Grimes, of course, much better athletes than Alfred Blue. And then you ask, well, maybe he's a great football player. Maybe LSU coaches, maybe they misinterpreted his ability. Maybe he didn't maybe, maybe they were wrong. They didn't know what they had in Alfred Blue at LSU. They should have given him more opportunity in LSU. Well, let's see. The Texans gave him opportunity last year. The Texans, yeah, they gave him 170 carries. Arian Foster missed a couple games last year. So how, how did Alfred Blue do in those carries? Well, our production premium, our situation agnostic efficiency metric, any given down and distance, how did this player do vis-a-vis -vis his peers in the NFL? Well, Alfred Blue had a negative 25.9 production premium. That was 73rd in the league. Awful. Yards per carry, surprising because I, I rarely see a yards per carry this low. Usually when a player has 170 carries, their yards per carry is going to be at least, it almost has a floor. Once you get past 150 carries, your yards per carry floor, just by getting the yards that the line presents to you, is usually around 3.5. But Alfred Blue, despite having 170 carries, which isn't insignificant, had only a 3.0 yards per carry. 77th in the league. And then, well, you might say, well, maybe he made it up with, with some receiving yards. No, his yards per touch, 3.4. So his yards per touch was the worst. Doesn't get any worse. And then you might say, well, okay, so small sample size. Maybe he was unlucky. Maybe like a handful of running backs that we've looked at, they were put in some unlucky situations. They, they faced stacked fronts. And on a per-touch basis, they actually evaded a lot of tackles, broke a lot of tackles. Well, we have a metric for that on playerprofiler.com called juke rate. Alfred Blue's juke rate was 12.4, and that was essentially last among qualified running backs, 78th in the league. So he's, in every measure, efficiency, total production. Doesn't matter. However you want to slice it, 
Alfred Blue was an abomination last year. And again, you might say, well, okay, small sample size, 170 carries. What did he do in college? We don't know what he did in college. He did nothing in college. We have nothing to fall back on. With players like Martavis Bryant, we can fall back on college numbers when they have a, a partial season of stats. We've talked about this before. This is what we do often. Whether it's Devonta Freeman, Martavis Bryant, they put up partial season stats, part-time player stats. Yes, you look at their efficiency as in a part-time role, but then you also default back and go back to look what they did in college as well to try to get the full picture on how, how good is this player? What is their intrinsic ability and quality? Well, all we have on Alfred Blue are those 170 carries, essentially, on the Texans last year, and... It was awful. So this is not a player I'm excited about. Well, what about Chris Polk? Maybe Chris Polk, he's the other guy. The other guy I'm hearing, the 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 generic fantasy analyst, Tout, other than Alfred Blue, the next guy that the Touts are talking about is Chris Polk. And, and Chris Polk is better than Alfred Blue. Chris Polk is similar in, in terms of lacking straight line speed, 4.5740. He's also similar to Blue in that he has a, an abysmal burst score. 109.1 is fourth percentile for Chris Polk. Chris Polk has a little bit better agility, 11.34, 45th percentile. But then also, just like Alfred Blue, has a bottom percentile strength, 16 bench reps in terms of upper body strength. So that comes out to a 106.2 Spark X score, which is 23rd percentile. It's not second percentile. It's not the worst, but it's just bad. So amongst those two, yeah, you would choose Chris Polk because he's, he's better than awful. Okay, at least with Chris Polk. So if you imagine a garbage can, let's imagine a garbage can, okay? So in a garbage can, there is, you know, eggshells at the bottom of the garbage can. It, once the garbage has been there for a couple days, if you haven't taken the garbage out in a handful of days, you're going to have some food items at the bottom that are starting to rot. You're going to have some, like I said, egg, did I say eggshells, some bread, maybe some, some loose pieces of meat, maybe some fat. You've cut off some steak if you didn't put that in the garbage disposal for whatever reason. So those might be some items at the bottom of the garbage. You would never consider eating those, ever. Those items, those, the, 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 the rotting garbage at the bottom of the bag, when you, when you pull the trash can out, that's Alfred Blue, if we're, we're looking for an analog here. Now, what I think of Chris Polk, I think more of, well, Chris Polk is like that half-eaten cupcake that's just on top of the trash. It was just thrown away. In fact, it might still be on a paper plate. So you open the trash and you go, oh, well, no one's looking. Right? I can just pick that up and just eat it. That looks fine. That look no trash has touched that. It's not hasn't been rotting at the bottom. There's I'm not gonna pick up any any diseases from this. This is fine. There's no extra germs than you would normally see on on a, if the cupcake was sitting on the countertop. Look, it's it's totally protected on the top of that that, that garbage pile. That's what Chris Polk is. I mean, he's still in the trash can, but you can still pick him up and and and, and eat him like he's useful you can get some generate some calories if that's what you're looking for some carbohydrates in there sure 
that that's what Chris Polk is. Chris Polk is the half-eaten cupcake on the top of the trash can. But neither of these players are players you're excited about. You should be out there investing a significant amount of your free agent auction money on or investing any sort of significant draft capital on. I wouldn't use a, a pick in round 1 through 15 on Chris Polk or Alfred Blue. Now we go to Jonathan Grimes, and we look at Jonathan Grimes, and you look at a player who's fantastic. His best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is LaShawn McCoy. So this player is not the, the dessert that has half-eaten and thrown away. No. no. Chris Polk is, is one of those, those cupcakes at the cupcake shop where you can see the different stacks of cupcakes, and, and you're trying to decide because they all look so good, right? They look so good. They look so good. But there's this one tray, and it's almost empty. There's one cupcake left, and it does look so good. Maybe it's red velvet with some peanut butter infused. Who knows? But you just know intuitively that's the cupcake to select because that's what the others are selecting. And I wish I could say that that was Jonathan Grimes, but it's not. Because no one is selecting Jonathan Grimes. No one is pointing to Jonathan Grimes and going, that's the one I want. No. Jonathan Grimes. But I think he is. I think he should be. I think if the fantasy world were rational, that would be Jonathan Grimes. But it's not. Jonathan Grimes is that stack of cupcakes that no one's touched, but it's actually so delicious and so good, so tasty. Just melt in your mouth. Just there's, you know, there, there's icing infused in the center somehow, and you're looking around the cupcake and you're looking for the hole. How they were able to to finagle the the icing inside the cupcake, and you can't even find the hole. It's it's like magic. It was almost like they infused. That's what they had to do. You you come away after eating that cupcake, that Jonathan Grimes cupcake. You come away thinking, well, that was magical. And th there's no physical way that I can see in, in the physical world using the laws of physics. There's just no way I can, I can imagine that they were able to get that frosting inside. There's no holes. There's no problems with Jonathan Grimes. There's no red flags on the profile. He's just awesome. He's just awesome and because he went to a small school and he was undrafted because he went to a small school and very few small school running backs get drafted. NFL teams are more likely to draft the backup running back on LSU than a hugely productive starter at a lower level of competition because a lot of NFL teams don't know what the hell they're doing in the later rounds. We've talked about that before on the show. Because when you look at Jonathan Grimes' prospect profile, we don't have a lot to go on with Jonathan Grimes. First of all, his prospect profile, 51% dominator rating, 97th percentile. He accounted for more than 50% of the total offense for his college team. Regardless of school size, that is an enormous number. And he broke out at 18.7. So they gave him the ball immediately. They, he walked on campus and they someone just handed him a football. The moment he had a backpack, the moment he walked onto William & Mary's campus, some kid came running up to him the moment he walked through the gates and just stuck a football in his gut. 
They said, run, baby. Run, Jonathan. And he ran. Oh, he ran. He's so good. And then he, and then he went to his pro day. Then he went to his pro day and he ran too. He ran a 4-5-8-40. Not great. But then he had he huge burst. Showed incredible burst. 127.1 burst score on playerprofiler.com. 86 percentile. And then you combine it with a 1087 agility score. 93rd percentile. And huge strength for a guy his size. So he's 5'10", 208, but put up 23 bench reps. He essentially could bench rep he could bench what polk did and what blue did combined and he's smaller and you might say well blue's bigger well blue's kind of bigger blue's actually not bigger because blue's 6'2 so alfred blue while weighing 223 pounds only has a 28.6 bmi 16th percentile He's one of these super tall, lanky running backs that so often fails at the NFL level, where Jonathan Grimes is not. He's more compact. He has a 29.8 BMI, 42nd percentile. All of this, this huge college production, and these specific workout metrics make him a very close comp to LaShawn McCoy. He's not just comp to LaShawn McCoy because LaShawn McCoy isn't that similar, but he just happened to be the most similar because so many of these athletes at the NFL level are at the NFL level are unique. No, 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 no. He was comp to LaShawn McCoy because he looks like LaShawn McCoy. And then you say, well, we haven't seen him at the NFL level. He's just a guy that produced at William and Mary. Who knows what would actually happen if you gave him the ball as a starter at the NFL level. Ooh, I wouldn't even want to know what would happen if you did that. It's too scary because he was only at William and Mary. That's the only competition he's ever known. Oh wait. Wait a second. No, I'm looking at his playerprofiler.com game log right now. And he actually did start a game at the NFL in 2013. He started Week 17 against Tennessee. And he didn't just start. He was the every down bell cow in that game. 85% snap share. <laughs> he rolled up 126 total yards and six receptions and a touchdown. And he was an RB1! 22.6 fantasy points! How many games in his professional career has Alfred Blue eclipsed? 20 fantasy points. Zero. How many games in his professional career has Chris Polk eclipsed 20 fantasy points? Answer, zero. Zero! Yet, the they are only talking about, they, the knucklehead, generic fantasy analysts, only want to talk about Alfred Blue and Chris Polk right now. Because they're reading some depth chart that someone published on a fantasy website six months ago. The only player who is worth a damn on the Houston Texans who actually has the potential to overcome the Texans' anemic offense and be a true fantasy asset is Jonathan Grimes. And I, this isn't a new opinion of mine, actually, which is cool. It's cool when this happens. It's cool when you have an opinion months ago and everyone forgets about it. And then suddenly that opinion resurfaces somewhere, and, and you're like, oh, wow, that's right. I remember I said that. I, I do think that, but 
thank you for remembering this world is amazing my followers on Twitter, everyone that follows me on Twitter, you're amazing. I just want to say that. Can I just stop the show for a second and just take a moment? You're amazing. You all remember opinions and tweets from me that I had completely forgotten. And then you remind me of these things. <laughs> it's like you feel like you're Nostradamus. You feel like you just walked out of a time machine. You're like, wait a second, I said that in April? Holy shit! I'm smart! Holy cow! I'm just sitting here going along my daily routine, tweeting nonsense and pictures of funny things and cartoons. And then a follower will remind me about me discussing the depth chart on the Miami Dolphins and how I liked Damian Williams more than I liked Jay Ajayi. Or we'll talk about how I like Jonathan Grimes more than Chris Polk. And they will send me this tweet. And it will be date and time stamp from four months ago. And I'm sitting there going... Wow! I'm pretty good at this! <laughs> hey! So thank you, everyone. I really do appreciate it. That Those are so cool. And with Jonathan Grimes, however, I have more evidence than just an old tweet. So I actually wrote an article for Football Diehards Magazine. And Football Diehards Magazine is in stores now. You can go to your pharmacy and buy it. You can go to your bookstore and buy it. In that article, I wrote about sleeper handcuffs. And so one was, if you're handcuffing Jordy Nelson, then his handcuff is actually Jeff Janis. That was one example. One of the other examples was, if you are drafting Arian Foster, you should be handcuffing him with Jonathan Grimes. So you should walk or run or take a scooter to whatever store you know that sells fantasy magazines and go get that magazine. And then you can read my full take on Jonathan Grimes, my full glowing endorsement of the Jonathan Grimes. A player I touted months ago as a sleeper handcuff for the highly injury-prone Arian Foster. Jonathan Grimes is much better than Alfred Blue and much better than Chris Polk. If I've already drafted my team, I would still pick up Alfred Blue, however. As much as I don't like Alfred Blue, the fact remains that there are only 32 starting running backs in the NFL. So you, because of that one fact, you are required, regardless of his athleticism and past efficiency, you are required, as a rational fantasy gamer, to go pick up Alfred Blue if he is easily attainable. But while you're at it, you should also acquire Jonathan Grimes. But if you're... If you haven't drafted yet, don't worry about Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue's ADP is already skyrocketing, and it's mid-flight right now. It's like it, it, it's one of those bottle rockets that's that just crested the tree line. That's Alfred Blue's ADP, and it's just going to keep going up, and everyone's going to, ooh, ah, until it crashes and smashes. And then you wondered, wait, why did we spend all that money on this little rocket thing? I mean, that was cool for a second, but what are we doing out here? Ow, I just got bit by a, a black fly. Ugh, this is going to be mosquito. What are we doing out here? But I'm also ignoring Chris Polk altogether. So while I would pick up Alfred Blue if he was just sitting there, I can't even, I can't endorse picking up Chris Polk at all because Chris Polk not only isn't number one on the current depth chart, he's also not the best running back on the depth chart. So he has neither of those in his favor. So, so actually, 
So if we go back to the wait, so this actually violates. Now that I'm thinking about it, this violates the trash can, the the, the intricate trash can analogy that I weaved at the beginning of the show. I just violated it because I think if you listen to that analogy, my final recommendation would be take Chris Polk if he's available on top of the trash can. Definitely get Jonathan Grimes and enjoy that frosting in the center and ignore the rotting garbage at the bottom of the of the can that is Alfred Blue but I, so I would, that actually isn't my recommendation if if that's what you're looking for on this show my recommendation is to ignore okay this is actually my recommendation this is crazy okay so this is my recommendation if we're going to continue going with this analogy and I don't have enough time in the show to change the analogy we're going to have to stick with the analogy okay so get ready everybody this is what we're going to have to do Oh my goodness! I'm I'm imagining this in my mind's eye, and even, I'm 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 queasy right now. Like I'm I'm holding my nose, and I'm que- I I'm getting a stomach ache just thinking about this. Even though this is just a a thought experiment that we're doing, this is just a a fictional pretend analogy. But it's making me uncomfortable thinking about it. But what I'm actually telling you, you should be doing, is you need to ignore the half-eaten cupcake on the top of the garbage. And you need to reach into the bottom. And you need to pull out the half-eaten piece of bread from the bottom of the garbage that has been sitting in garbage water. You know that garbage water that, that descends to the bottom of the garbage bag? So it's bit that piece of bread, that half-eaten toast, has been sitting in garbage water. And you're going to need to go ahead and, and, and reach to the bottom of the trash can and pull out that soggy garbage water soaked piece of toast and put that on a plate and then I need you to go to your local bakery find the most delicious cupcake and then put that on your plate that's that's from Matt Kelly fantasy underscore mansion on Twitter host of Roto Underworld Radio that is my recommendation for you to in terms of handling the, the running back situation in fantasy for the Houston Texans. Now, some might ask, well, what about the free agent pickups? What about trades? Maybe. Maybe that's going to be a factor. We don't know. I saw a tweet from Mike Clay. He tweeted the free agents that he has on his list that the Texans might want to consider. Chris Johnson, Pierre Thomas, Ahmad Bradshaw, Sean Green, No Sean Moreno, Steven Jackson. And I'll say this flatly. Jonathan Grimes is better than all of those guys at their current level of health. And the one name that the Texans did try out, and it sounds like they do intend to sign, according to the latest news I've heard out of Houston, is that they are they, they have full intentions on signing Pierre Thomas. And so I would pick up Pierre Thomas as well. I don't know where Pierre Thomas fits in the trash can analogy. We're going to go ahead and put him off to the side because I think this trash can analogy went off the rails anyway. And it went to a, it went to a dark place. I mean, this piece of bread that I have in front of me is making me nauseous. So let's just forget that. But if you had three roster spots to play with, I would absolutely pick up Pierre Thomas, Jonathan Grimes, and Alfred Blue. Pierre Thomas and Alfred Blue just on principle because Pierre Thomas is the one guy of the four who has produced for a full season at the NFL level, has been fantasy relevant for a full season at the NFL level. So on, precedent, on, on, on principle, 
and precedent, you would have to pick him up. Because Alfred Blue is at the top of the depth chart, you'd have to pick him up. And then, of course, I'm recommending in all leagues, in all formats, in all different ways you could, you could acquire a player, that you go target Jonathan Grimes, particularly if you've already drafted. But if you haven't drafted yet, I will not be selecting Pierre Thomas, and I will not be selecting Alfred Blue at all, because their ADPs are going to rise to an irrational place. And because I can still pick up Jonathan Grimes in the late rounds, even after Arian Foster's injury. That's the amazing thing. And then the question is, well, where would I draft Arian Foster? I'm not drafting Arian Foster, because his ADP won't crash as much as it should. Because too many people think he'll come back and win them a playoff matchup. And that's misguided. A a fantasy playoff matchup. We know the Texans aren't going to the playoffs with Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett as their potential starting quarterbacks. That's not going to happen. But the idea is that you would draft Arian Foster, he would come back, and then he would help you in the fantasy playoffs. And again, that idea is misguided, and it displays a willful ignorance of history. Just last year, Steven Jackson could never get back to 100% health after re-injuring his quad. Old running backs with layers of scar tissue have a very challenging road to recovery. That lingering scar tissue that Arian Foster has in his groin area is going to make healing more difficult. It's going to make regaining strength in the area and flexibility in the area take longer. Just elongates the recovery time. And even once he's back on the field, even once he's back in uniform, Arian Foster will never be the same player he was in his prime. Never again. It's over. And that's pretty obvious at this point, isn't it? No, 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 no. Some people, I'm already reading fantasy analysts comparing Arian Foster's early season missed games to that of Le'Veon Bell's. Using the same rationale. Hey, stash that guy, and then he'll win you your league come playoff time. Get out of here with that! Arian Foster is now, and forever will be, a degraded version of his former self. Just like Frank Gore is not the same player he was in 2005, when he posted a feeble 112 burst score on playerprofiler.com, just like we discussed on yesterday's show, 2,900 touches later, Frank Gore would finish dead last in burst score on playerprofiler.com if they retested all players now, today, at their current age. And Arian Foster, he ran a 4-7-4 40-yard dash eight years ago as a young man with full flexibility. That's slow. That's 7th percentile as a young man. That means I think he would finish dead last in the 40-yard dash if the NFL retested all players now. Most tight ends would run a faster 40-yard dash than Arian Foster if the entire NFL was retested right now. So just a level set. Arian Foster is a running back on a putrid offense who has lost all explosion, never had it actually, and flexibility and he will never post an RB1 season in fantasy even on a points per game basis ever again 